Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. All right, three, two, one. All right, we are rolling. How about we can just watch basketball? How about we can just watch basketball? Here is Lillard, 10 to shoot. Lillard, step back. You bet. It's game time. Good morning and welcome to the Daily Day. Happy Monday morning. We are going to catch you up on a lot of NBA action that happened this weekend here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am Jared Weiss. I am joined by Mo DeKeel. Mo, this weekend was crazy. I cannot wait to get into this with you. How are we doing on Monday morning? We are doing well. Uh, <laughs> rolling pretty good. Good. All right. Well, we got Jade Hoy on the ones and twos, making sure this show sounds nice and clean. And before we get into it, I want to make sure that you don't miss out on in-depth coverage of this unprecedented sports season. You've heard the read. It is theathletic.com. It's where you read all of our work here. Subscribe now and save at theathletic.com slash daily ding for just $3.99 a month. You receive access to every single thing in the athletic universe, including the show, of course, in the app ad free where you can leave some comments. But coming up on today's show, we're going to get into the most thrilling game of the weekend. I don't even have to tell you what that is. Anthony Davis got hurt. We're going to talk about that later. And then later on the show, we're going to have two more guests on. Fred Katz, Washington Wizards reporter for The Athletic, had a phenomenal interview with John Wall right ahead of his return on Monday night to Washington after getting traded from the Wizards after a decade there. So we're going to catch up with him, and we're going to also talk to our Nets writer, Alex Schiffer, who had a really interesting story on Monday on Reggie Perry, who, if you don't know who that is, you're going to know eventually, assuming the Nets continue to do what they're doing. So let's start with the big game of the weekend. That is the Blazers beating the Mavericks 121 to 118. The Mavericks, it seemed like they just weren't going to have enough time to come back, and they just kept chipping away. Luka just kept going and going and going but dame lillard hits what he he did did what he did he hits the three in crunch time time. baby dame time mo take it away it's dame time it's not even that it's it's you know he hits a big three on a a a step back kind of not even a step back almost like a pullback three right in uh i think it was dorian finney smith who was defending him and Honestly, I just looked at it going like, I don't know what you can do defensively in that situation, (laughs) you know, and he hits that big three. The Mavs had an unbelievable chance to tie the game. Luka was wide open. Jared, I don't know how you can allow Luka to get open, period. Like, you should just be like anybody else but Luka. He's the only one who can't catch the ball. But sure enough, he catches it wide open at right around the above the break three area and just rims out a three to tie the game. But I mean, it was a hell of a game. 
It really was. And it was just so crazy. You know, we just had a game where the Blazers played some great defense at the end to kind of save the game. And then in this case, we have them just completely butcher what I guess was like a, a tight pin down or some sort of split action, whatever, for Luca to kind of rub off of one of his teammates and then get wide open. And the Blazers just completely blew it and completely miscommunicated. And so he gets to catch the ball and turn around. And not only is he open, but like no one's even coming for him. He's just kind of staring down the rim, taking a really casual, easy three. And I guess the only thing that killed the suspense was just that we had the perfect line of sight from the camera angle. So you could say you could see as soon as it came off his hands that it was a little bit right. It wasn't going to go in. And yet it still went like halfway down before popping back out. And then we still had even more suspense because Jalen Brunson, who made a huge mistake uh, on like a terrible attempt to foul Derek Jones on the play before, uh, he actually like hustled and deflected the ball out of bounds. And it almost seemed like for a second that Dallas was going to get the ball back and have another chance somehow. Yeah, I mean, really, though, at the end of the day, you can't get a better look than that for for Luca. Your best player has the ball in his hands, has the best look he's going to get. I think it was probably the most open three he had all night, Jared, and and just unfortunately missed it for Dallas. But it was impressive for Dallas to come back. I mean, this thing looked like it was slowly slipping away from them. They chipped away in the fourth quarter. The They held the Blazers to just 18 points in the fourth quarter to really spur this comeback and really get going. Luka had 10 points in the fourth. And just at the end of the day, man, they just fell short. Yeah, I mean, if you look at just the lead tracking graph, it looks like the Dow during the 2008 uh, housing crisis. I mean, it just like it was, I think, what, a 13 or 14 point lead uh, for Portland. It was their biggest lead of the game in the middle of the fourth quarter. And then Luca just keeps marching through the lane over and over and over again, hitting little floaters. And these shots were so much fun to watch because he's like steaming through the lane. He's throwing guys out of the way. And then he just kind of stops on one foot. It puts up a fun little floater that kind of rolls around the rim and then finally drops. And it was just, it was classic Luca in the duality of, just incredible power and then incredible delicate touch at the same time in a way that he seems like he's the only guy that can do it that way. Yeah. And then, you know, when you look at it on the other side, you know, you still have Damian Lillard who's going off and, and just drilling shots, 34 points, big shot after big shot. I mean, I don't know, Jared, this was just a fun ass game. I was hoping for overtime just because I didn't want the game to end. It was, that was the best part is that, it wasn't like one of these games where it gets close because a team is like collapsing. It was just really exciting, high intensity basketball back and forth all the way through. And the, the Dallas is just doing just enough to chip away. And by the way, stat lines, we do stat lines, right? Luca has 44 points right after having his career high in the last game. I think it was, was it 46 in the last game? So it's 90 points yeah. combined in the last two games for him. But I mean, Dame had 34 points and 11 assists in this game. I mean, he he was pretty much stride for stride with Luca until Luca had to kind of go crazy at the end. Yeah, I mean, it's, it was a shootout, plain and simple. This was a shootout in the wild, wild west, and uh, the Blazers came away with the victory. Let's get to the second game of the national doubleheader, which was the Nuggets taking down the Lakers 122 to 105. Nikola Jokic, another unbelievable triple-double, 23 points, 16 boards, 10 assists. Jamal Murray had a really clean game. He went 7 for 15 from the field and had 25 points. LeBron did his usual thing, 22, 10, and 9 assists. But the real story of this game was 
Anthony Davis, he had missed a few games due to tendinopathy, tendinopathy, tendinitis, tendinitis. Does anyone know what Anthony Davis's injury is really called? It's a it's it's an injured Achilles. That's just really how I've been saying it, Jared. (laughs) And so, okay, so what? I mean, here's what happened. So he is dribbling. He has the ball. He dribbles. He's going up on Jokic, and he bumps legs with Jokic, and it aggravates his tendinosis, I think is how you're supposed to say tendinosis, it, tendinosis. in his right Achilles tendon. And so, actually, thanks to our Jovan Buha, as we're talking, we're getting the tweet now, uh, Anthony Davis had a quote after the Memphis game on Friday where he said, it could go away with rest and things like that, but I'm not trying to rest. I'm just trying to stay as loose as possible and a bunch of other stuff about how he's sore, but he's going to play through it. He comes back and then he immediately re-aggravates the injury and has to limp off the floor. Mo, what do you think is next for Anthony? Oh, I mean, he's going to miss time, but I kind of want to go back to the Jovan tweet real quick. Just the pure fact of him saying, you know, it's sore, but I'm just going to play through it. It needs rest, but I'm going to keep pushing through it. It's your Achilles tendon, dude. Like we saw this with KD in the finals and it cost him an entire year. It just, it, it doesn't make sense. That's just kind of reckless in, in in that thought process there. And I think, you know, the the Lakers are, are lucky it's not worse. Hopefully it's not worse Uh I know AD is going to go in for an MRI on Monday morning, and 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 eventually we'll, we'll we'll find out what the full story is. But I can't imagine he's going to be coming back anytime soon, and it's going to be something that they're going to take very slowly because, you know, Jared, they're not defending the title if they don't have a healthy Anthony Davis. I mean, their entire future rests on Anthony Davis. They traded away all their draft picks because their entire future rests on Anthony Davis, and I guess a little bit on Kyle Kuzma too. But so he, he can't. He can't do that. And we are seeing around the league, all of these guys that have minor knocks, they're sitting out. I mean, we this is the same day, the same episode of the Daily Ding where we're going to tell you later in the show, Kevin Durant is going to be sitting out due to hamstring soreness for a few games. It's like all these guys know you're not supposed to mess around with the Achilles. You're you're lucky if you can diagnose an Achilles injury as just soreness instead of a tear. You know, it's like it's pretty rare that you're able to that you're able to address this and treat this before the catastrophic injury happens. I mean, I just, it's just crazy that when I saw that quote the other night, I'm like, that's crazy. I can't wait to yell with Mo about it on the Daily Ding because it's like you're the Lakers. You're the team that just prove that when you're all healthy and at your best that you can win a championship and you know that you just had the the shortest offseason out of everybody and you're therefore at most at risk, most likely to suffer an injury because of that lack of rest. And I just couldn't believe that it happened that way. Let's hope that that MRI comes back pretty clean. He just has some soreness and inflammation. He's able to rest for a little bit and then get back to being Anthony Davis because he was looking pretty sweet before that injury happened. Yeah, I mean, he was he was rolling in this game. And I think the uh, just the fact of the matter is like, just expect him to take it slow at this point. There's no reason to really risk it. I won't be surprised if we don't see him till after the All-Star break. Wow, that'd be interesting. And look, let, let's remember, this team just signed Montrez Harrell. They just signed a big that can score, that you can run, pick, and roll with, that you could throw they, it to in the they post. They got plenty of talent, Jared, to, to, to survive an extended absence from from AD during the regular season. It's it's you need to have all your guys healthy and ready to roll come playoff time. And I think that's going to be something that, you know, it, they're going to 
I think, really press on their guys now at this point and, and make sure they start taking care of their bodies in a way. You know, like injuries are going to happen. It's, it's, it's the way it goes, but they're going to be able to, to to survive this. It's not like I'm going to look at it going like, oh, man, the Lakers are going to drop from what? Second in the West to, to 12th? Like that's not going to happen. They're 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 too yeah. They're talented. not at the Eastern Conference. That's not plausible, <laughs> right? I mean, well, they're too. They're, I mean, just forget about it. They're just too talented for that to really be the case. So I don't think it's something they should concern themselves too much with. And right now, their biggest concern right now is just hey, we got to make sure that AD is healthy. And on top of it, with AD missing games, we can't put extra burden and stress on LeBron and tire him out. I mean, the one victory in this game is that LeBron played 31 minutes and that was the highest on the team. So at least they're spreading the minutes out and shout out to Kyle Kuzma, who I assume is going to have to step up big into this role with AD out. He had he went eight for 12. He had 19 uh, points, eight boards. He had one incredible tip slam right over. Was it Jokic? I can't remember who was over. But no, Michael was Porter Jr. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Nobody could jump over Jokic. He would uh, they would break if they went off of him. Um, oh, an interesting nugget just right as we're recording. Uh, the Athletics' Bill Oram says that Anthony Davis is going to get an MRI in – I just lost it. Minneapolis. In Minneapolis rather than fly home to have it done in Los Angeles. I was going to say, I didn't think that was Denver. So, in, so I guess they're playing the Wolves next. Uh, so that that's good, I guess, right? You know, he's staying with the team on the road. That, that's a decent sign. Sure. <laughs> okay, let's look ahead to this week's games. This is an action-packed schedule. I, I think the first game that jumps off the page immediately is Monday night, 9 o'clock Eastern time. The Sixers versus the Jazz, one seed versus one seed, a potential finals preview, battle of two of the of the best centers in the NBA. What do you think of this matchup? Oh, it's going to be a fun game. I mean, you, you just touched on it. I mean, just watching Joel Embiid and, and Rudy Gobert go at each other is going to be very interesting. Then you're going to have Ben Simmons going after Donovan Mitchell, who, I mean, you got to remember that whole kerfuffle about uh, it should be my rookie of the year award, you know, a the, couple the of years ago. The dumbest debate in NBA history, but continue. Absol- absolutely. But, you know, uh, I think this is gonna, this game has a lot of – chances for fireworks and i think it's going to be something that's going to be really interesting to to see i mean this whole schedule this week is pretty off the chain yeah i mean it just getting to watch Embiid and gobert anchoring the defense opposite each other it's going to be so thrilling because i i mean frankly they're two kind of slightly different uh centers in the way that they approach their defense and I think it's just honestly, whoever looks better in this game might get the upper hands in the defensive player of the year award. Yeah, I, I mean, Embiid's gunning for MVP right now, so I don't even know how much of the uh, <laughs> how much he'll concern himself with the defensive player of the year right now. If he can put up big numbers against Rudy Gobert, who's been a freaking wall in the paint defensively for the Jazz, that's going to be a big feather in his cap. So what are the other big games you're looking forward to? Well, I mean, let's just look back at Utah. Utah is going to play the Clippers twice this week on Wednesday and Friday. We have the Brooklyn Nets playing Phoenix. That's going to be a fun game, even though there's going to be no KD, but, you know, still going to be a lot of fun watching Chris Paul going after his former teammate, James Harden. And the Nets are going to find their way to L.A. and play the Lakers. You know, unfortunately, like we covered, no AD, no, probably no Kevin Durant for that one either, but still a lot of talent in that game. And there's just a lot of guys, a lot of good games throughout the entire week. That's for sure. And actually, I think the one I'm most excited for is on Monday night, 
we have Houston coming to Washington. That means the kid, John Wall, returns home only a few months after getting traded. So let's talk to Fred Katz from The Athletic, who has a lot to tell us about that matchup. We are joined by the man, the myth, the legend, Fred Katz, who covers the Washington Wizards for The Athletic. And we actually just got finished, uh, the both of us covering the same game, where the Wizards pretty much humiliated the Celtics on Valentine's Day. But before even talking about that, I want to talk about your story from the weekend, which was a really riveting conversation with John Wall, where he was kind of remarkably honest about the whole process of getting traded from the Wizards to the Rockets. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I spoke to him on the phone for for about a half an hour on Saturday. And uh, yeah, he he was you could tell he was ready to talk because really the question in which he started to give me kind of his entire perspective of how the trade went down from his angle and what he believed happened and the text that he got to tell him that he got traded and all this background and uh, he just kind of his personal account of the trade. The, the question that I asked was, so where did it go wrong? <laughs> and he gave me, I want to say his answer was, was like four to four and a half minutes and, and pretty much uninterrupted. The only reason I say pretty much is because we were trying to figure out off the top of our heads if the trade went down on December 3rd or December 2nd. And that was the only exchange. Like there wasn't even a follow-up in there for those four, four and a half seconds. There wasn't a second question. It was just kind of John talking and telling me all of his thoughts. So, so I could tell, especially in that moment, which was, I, I don't know, five, 10 minutes into the interview, I could really tell he was really ready to talk about this. He'd clearly thought about it a lot. And, you know, I always, I always appreciate it when anybody who I cover is, is willing to talk to me, put their name on it, speak honestly. And I covered John, you know, for, for a little while before in Washington, before he ended up getting traded to Houston. And John is certainly that he'll, he'll talk to you. If he believes something, he'll tell you what he thinks. And when he's ready to talk about something, he, he lets you know and he makes it clear, and I, I think this was an example of that. I mean, I remember when the trade happened and people like David Aldridge and Michael Lee, who had been really established in the D.C. area for a long time, were, were talking about just how monumental of a moment this was for the Wizards. And I think that was a little surprising to a lot of us who had just kind of looked at Wall as a bit of an afterthought for a while, just because he's been so out of sight, out of mind for so long. So what did you think of the way that he described his reaction to the moment that he got traded and then the way that he processed it? Yeah. So I think what people outside of DC for the most part don't realize because they think of wall is the point guard of some good, young, exciting teams, you know, him and Beal coming up in DC together and, and basically winning 40-something games every once in a while and getting a middling playoff seed and maybe winning a playoff series. And that's kind of what their team is, right? I mean, they're, they're, they're thought of, those teams are kind of thought of amongst the general NBA landscape as what? Like the same realm as the Joe Johnson Hawks, right? Like yeah. something, in, something in that stratosphere. Uh, locally, totally different. And I mean, okay, I have a question for you. Do you know the last time the Wizards won... 50 games where the Wizards franchise won 50 games. Uh, 1978, 1979. Ah, there you go. Great guess. It's the longest streak in the NBA of any organization. The Wizards have not won 50 games and they're not winning 50 this year. This is going to be 42 years without them winning 50. 
2017 with Wall and Beal, they win 49, though. At the time they drafted Wall, they had won one playoff series since 1982. And won with Gilbert Arenas. That was it in the mid-2000s. That's the only playoff series they won since 1982. This was an organization that, that didn't have any winning basically at all until Wall came in in the post-West Unseld era. So when Wall comes in and he wins three playoff series, all first-round playoff series, I think nationally the conversation is, why can't he get over the hump? Why can't he get to the Eastern Conference Finals? And he came close a couple of times. 2015, he breaks his hand against the Hawks in the second round, and that was an unbelievable series that the Hawks end up winning in six. He doesn't break his hand. You know, I asked him during the interview. It didn't run during the story, but I, I asked him during the interview if he had a greatest what if from his 10 years with the Wizards. And he's, he said to me, breaking his hand in the 2015 playoffs against the Hawks, if he doesn't break his hand. Maybe they have a chance, a better chance to win that series. And, and, you know, they go to seven games with, with Boston, as you well know, in the 2017 Eastern conference semis as well. And they come a game away from making the Eastern conference finals. Um, and the wizards franchise just hadn't experienced that kind of success all in the previous 40 years before kind of Wall and and Beal came around. And Wall was kind of the the symbol and the leading character to turn that around. So on top of the fact that he's he's really loved for all the work that he does in the in the community as well, the charity work and all that kind of stuff, where he was extremely active in DC and the way that kind of the, the city, he kind of reflects the city's personality, I think, in a lot of ways. And so that fan base really embraced him for a number of reasons. And and him leaving, I think, I mean, the, the fan base was not happy about him leaving. I don't think there's any question about that. At least locally, it was it was a risky trade because you're you're getting rid of the guy who is, you know, pretty much, you know, it, it's 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 the the fan favorite. It's funny at the first game or the first playoff series that I ever traveled to cover was that Celtics Wizards series. And that game winning three that he hit at the buzzer at the end of game six is probably one of the top five moments I've ever witnessed in NBA history up close. I mean, it was just such a remarkable play, you know, by the guy. It was a real like this is my city moment. And it's such a shame if Kelly Olynyk hadn't had the game of his life in game seven, the Wizards might have finally had that breakthrough. And who knows? And it's it's incredible to think that. Bradley Beal is like twice the player he was at that point, and their their primes just just kind of missed each other, unfortunately. And it's such a yeah. huge what if in the NBA. Yeah, and you know, Wall's having a good year in Houston. Like he looks good, he looks quick, he's playing better defensively. Another thing I didn't put in the story because we really talked about trade stuff and 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 kind of the emotions of all of that. I thought it was a lot more pertinent for his return on Monday night. But you know, one of the things that we talked about, I mean, I just flatly said to him. You look like you couldn't move defensively when I watched you guard in the fall of 2018. I mean, he would hit screens and just stop. And he's so much spryer now. I mean, he he said that he was in devastating pain. He agreed with me when I said that to him. And he told me he was in devastating pain that fall because he had bone chips in, in his heel, which were just digging into his heel. And he has the surgery to remove them in December of 2018. He ruptures his Achilles the next month and he misses two years. And he still looks spry, looks quick. He's getting to the rim. He's running fast breaks. I think he looks a lot better defensively. He he, he looks good. And you're right. Beal is is better than ever right now. 
and and it is a shame. And that's one of the things Wall mentions in in the piece that his kind of number one thing that makes him upset about not being in DC is he says he he wanted to give it another run with Beale. And, you know, didn't really have that opportunity because the last time Walt was healthy, it wasn't even two years ago. You know, that 17-18 season that he played half the year, he was playing hurt and he had a knee issue. So so really the last time he's healthy is is basically it, – it's that playoff series that you just mentioned. 2017, second round against Boston where he hits the shot in game six and then they lose game seven to to the Celtics. That's the last time Wall is healthy coming into this year. So so this is really the healthiest he's been in probably three and a half years. And that's why he looks, I think, significantly better now than he did at least during those three months leading up to the Achilles care, tear in the fall of 2018. Well, thank God we have John Wall back in the NBA. It's a, it's a better place where he's playing. Um, before we wrap, now the other guy in this story – Besides Bradley Beal is obviously Russell Westbrook. And we're talking on Sunday evening after the Wizards, who do have one of the worst records in the NBA, but they just completely humiliated the Celtics in this game. Russ almost he was a rebound short of a triple double, had a plus 27 in 29 minutes. And his defensive presence really dominated this game and really took the Celtics out of their offense. So how do you feel like Wizards fans are feeling about the return of Wall, which is going to be happening Monday evening, especially in light of Westbrook, how he's been playing so far this year and how he just was kind of instrumental in this game where Beal went off offensively and he went off defensively? Yeah, well, if there's a a pair of people who know about humiliation on Valentine's Day, it's the two of us, right? (laughs) Uh, I think if you're asking specifically how Wizards fans feel, I don't think Wizards fans are thrilled. I don't think it really has that much to do with what I mean. Westbrook is he's just he's not he's having the worst year of his career right now. And he started the year with a quad injury and he hasn't looked as mobile. You know, he had an one dunk in this game, which is probably the most athletic play that he's had all year. It was his third dunk of the season. And the other two dunks were wide open on fast breaks. So. He he really hasn't had those crazy Russell Westbrook athletic explosive plays that we associate with his success and we have associated with his success for, you know, more than a decade now. And we haven't really seen that. I he didn't shoot the ball well against Boston. I actually think he he played he played pretty okay, even though he shot six of eighteen from the field or whatever it ended up being. But the efficiency has to come up. And, and, you know, I know efficiency is a thing that we talk about with Westbrook all the time, but it is different this year. It's not like a you take you take the good with the bad type of thing that you get with Westbrook now. It's, you know, he's taking about a third the uh, amount of shots at the rim right now as he did last year. I mean, it's a different this is a different type of player stylistically than we've seen the last 12 years. And he's at spurts where he's looked excellent. But it hasn't necessarily maintained. Now, if it's just the quad, then maybe you end up getting, I mean, look, 2015 Westbrook, that guy is is in 2015. But maybe you end up getting Houston Westbrook if it's just the quad. I, I, I don't know for sure if this is what 32-year-old Westbrook is or if this is just him recovering from the quad injury um, because he's had moments that he looks better. So we're we're kind of going to have to wait and see. As for Wall playing in D.C., like I think the real shame of it is that 
the fun with a return game like this, because the fans in DC still still really appreciate him. The fun with a game like this is being able to, you know, speaking of Westbrook, they, he had a night like this last year, right? He goes back to OKC for the first time where he won an MVP, where he's the guy who stayed. He is the guy who stayed, the one guy who stayed. And that fan base maybe loves Russell Westbrook more than any fan base in the league loves any player. And that night was all about him. Right. And that was kind of a magical night where he gets his tribute video, which the Thunder did a great job with. And the entire game is about him. And the entire game is the fans just paying their tribute to a guy who they respected for choosing them. Well, John Wall is kind of that version for the Wizards. He's kind of this he he is to the Wizards in a way. Not talking about caliber of player, because Westbrook has obviously had the the more decorated career. In terms of what he means to the fan base, I mean, Wall is on a similar plane with the Wizards fan base. And it's just a shame that the fans aren't going to get to be there, because that's what kind of makes these nights. I think next year, when the fans are there, when he finally comes back, you'll be able to recoup some of that. But it's, it's never the same as in that first year, when those guys are first there, you know? Um... So it's a shame. It's a shame the fans can't be there for that because I think it it, it could have been a, a super cool event tomorrow night if they were. Well, wherever he goes, Russell Westbrook follows. That is Fred Katz, the athletic Washington Wizards writer and host of one of my favorite podcasts out there, Wizards After Dark. Fred, thanks as always. Go enjoy Valentine's Day. <laughs>